0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half-Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman 1,800 miles southeast of me is none other than Senior Keep Fisher. And we are coming to you live for the 155th time this 11th day of November, Veterans Day, uh, 2016. Is it Veterans Day? It was yesterday uh, Veterans Day. That was
1: yesterday. Yeah, Today's the 12th.
0: Today, oh, gosh, today's the 12th. It's no longer <laughs> Friday.
1: I did not change the date in the notes, sorry about that
0: well wow. no i'm uh I'm all thrown off i uh, I had yesterday off for some personal stuff and totally forgot that today was Saturday and uh, was thinking it was Sunday, and then I cured myself of that by apparently thinking it was Friday again, so I'm all screwy.
1: you're in an endless weekend loop
0: uh you know there could be worse things, true. Well, that uh, voice giving me a hard time is none other than Senor Fischer. How are you, sir?
1: I'm all right, I reckon. About to be a lot better since as as I get this cigar, they oh, do. I
0: don't know if you're about to be a lot better. You're going to get a jaw cramp. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that one alone. Ah, well, that jaw cramp, notwithstanding, this uh, cigar of the week is a lovely one, and albeit a couple weeks tardy but uh monsters yes we uh we're about two weeks late for halloween a little bit more than oh no a little bit less than two weeks i guess it's the 12th isn't it and halloween is the 31st maybe some simple math could help me out oh well. Yeah, that, that, that's what was that like 48
1: hours ago
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, <laughs> folks all the more reason why you need to tune in to the uh the live version of this show and not the podcast I might have made a fool of myself describing 48 hours being different from two days, but I'm not going to, to say that for sure. You have to be in the live show to hear those, uh, those faux pas.
1: I'll say it. It was funny. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what is not funny is, uh, is this cigar, this Tatuaje Face, the third release in the Monster Series from Pete Johnson and the uh, Havana Cellars Tatuaje Cigars conglomerate that is uh, that is tied up with um, Pepin Garcia uh, down at the My Father Factory. But yes, we're a couple weeks late from this Halloween gig, but it's never really a bad time to light up the face. Uh, this big beast, which comes in at 65 by 56 by my direct measurements, um, was the 2010 Monster release, the third one in the series. And it, if I recall, it is either the first or one of the first times that Pete Johnson used the San Andres wrapper. This cigar has um, a middle priming of a San Andres, so it's really lighter. It's more like a Colorado shade rather than the typical Maduro you get with the San Andres. But um, the cigar does take a left turn from the... Um, typical tobacco is being used in Esteli uh, and the My Father Factory because this really wasn't something that they experimented with very much. Um, and quite frankly, I, thinking of the timeline, I wonder if this was one of the reasons why they actually got into the Mexican experiment, if this tobacco was interesting or intriguing to, to work with. But you might know more about that than I do. <laughs>
1: No, I don't know anything about its lineage and how that came to be. I, I was a big fan of that short-lived Mexican experiment, and it did it was a little later, a year, year and a half after these, I guess.
0: Really, it was two thousand twelve.
1: Yeah, I think so. Wow,
0: oh, man! Oh, man! Makes me feel like these cigars are older than uh, than just saying twenty ten. It's amazing how six years doesn't feel like that long when I just say the year itself. It's crazy; it goes by quickly. Well, it just happens. It's funny um, that San Andres wrapper it does sit on a Nicaraguan binder and filler blend, but um, and they really have all done a good job of kind of keeping the impression of proper pedigree. Uh, you wouldn't really know by smoking these things that. To me, at least, that they have that Mexican influence. Um, this cigar is always kind of danced around or between sweet and savory, though more recent cigars, uh, for me have kind of dove deep into the meaty depths of other manufacturers, other Nicaraguan manufacturers. Um, these have some cinnamon, uh, flavors that they offer up, and it, it gives you just a little bit of respite from, um, the. The, the cigar generally remaining in that realm, but uh, it's meaty, it's it's dark, it's not so much dark in the sense of uh, Maduro type flavors, but it's just savory and hard flavors, I'll put it that way, so I expect this will be one that's right up Kip's alley because it never really seems to overpower though it does stay in that area of flavor, so we'll see how it goes tonight. Bueno. Well, you, you smoked one of these yesterday or today, one or the other, right? Today. Yep. Yeah. And uh, any issues with it? I won't get first impressions based on that cigar, but everything smoked well, burn well, the whole nine yards. Well, oh, uh, apparently the uh, the motorcycle wanted to make a comment about that too. Just a whole herd of motoconchos came through there.
1: Hey. <laughs> nope, no, no negative... Comments actually I enjoyed it quite a bit and I imagine Good. I will this one too. Um no, no issues at all outside of uh something I stupidly did when I clipped it, I put a crack in the head, but that actually was so near the neck that it, it didn't impact anything. It was not even leaking air because it was covered up as I smoked it. So
0: mm. nope. that's lucky. Um my uh, my initial tasting notes on this one were definitely in that meaty realm, the the deep um, heavy savoriness there, some cinnamon flavors as I mentioned, um, but it is lightening up a touch. I I sparked this up approaching an hour ago now, and uh, it's a six and a half inch long cigar. Uh, it, they publish six and three eighths, but. A couple of my samples, including the little nubbin that's on there, was six and a half. Um, And I am at uh, four and a half. Wow, I have smoked more of this than I thought. So in an hour, I've burned two inches, and it is starting to transition out of the first third into some um, other flavors, a different flavor realm. So what uh, we we won't get into the second third right now, but you've lit lit this up. What are your uh, first thoughts here?
1: Um, One thing, I, after just saying I had nothing negative to say, the very first puff on each of them was a little um, uncharacteristic, and it it tasted a little vegetal, but that instantly went away, but it's, it's only noteworthy because it was the same thing on both cigars. It's just that very first puff, and then instantly eases into something that's a little different from Tatuaje. I don't think it's the as as uh, moderate, mild, or as sweet as the Mexican experiment, but it has those kind of tendencies that I think it gets from the wrapper most likely because it has some of those core characteristics of San Andres wrapper, I guess. But <laughs> it's not... Uh, pound for pound, this is certainly not a powerhouse in in the normal canon of my father and Tatawahe offerings but its sheer volume is probably kind of drives it become being perceived as a little stronger uh, overall but early on it it's uh, it's got a little a good bit of sweetness to me and uh, almost leathery but not quite it's kind of that sweeter end of leathery i don't even know that i would Put citrus on it because it's not that it's not that bright to me. And I don't know. I I did not smoke these at the time they came out, so this is my first experience at six years. So I I don't don't have a recollection of what they were and to compare to what they are now. So all all I have is today to go on.
0: Um, I actually my first foire foire. I think that's the word into these cigars was, uh, foray. I'm sorry. Foray. Foray. Thank you.
1: Soiree foray. <laughs>
0: um, was uh dog watch. I sent these cigars to Bob and Dale, um, as an unbanded and I peeled off the face version of the little wrapper leaf that's on here and sent them to them to try to, uh, fool the hell out of them. And, and I did successfully. Um, but that was the first one that I had had. And it was a great way to have a first impression of a cigar that I knew I was going to um, smoke over the years because I had a couple boxes of up. Um, and so getting their opinions, getting my opinion uh, completely blind on their account was, was pretty cool. And these cigars have changed to me. They've gotten deeper. Um, they were always that kind of pepine just the, the brilliance that Pepin has in, in his ability to walk that line between see, sweet and savory, um, maybe not so sweet, but uh, balanced savory or balanced um, spicy, peppery cigars. I'll put it that way, I guess. Um, and uh, this one has just kind of you know ebbed and flowed over the years, and it seems as if the first third – uh, at least, of this cigar. And the last one that I smoked have kind of have, have kind of you know put their nose down and dropped a little bit in terms of flavor um, presentation. So I'll see how this one goes. Uh, I'm getting some minor variations in the second third and, and picking up a little more of the wrapper. So that's intriguing. And I'll, uh, I'll look forward to see your thoughts as we move on.
1: Cool. I'm that's, just uh, now... I'm just I just lit this as we were already recording so I'm not even quite an eighth of an inch into it.
0: Mm. Wow, see okay, this is something that's really interesting. Maybe the cigars themselves weren't um changing. They weren't going from lighter, softer or harder, softer flavors. Um no, I should say maybe the blend wasn't going from harder to softer to harder maybe the actual individual cigars, the blend had some variation because Ian in the chat room uh, posted up that he smoked the last one of his originals of these today. Um, And he says that these were a lot lighter in character uh, than they were even just a year ago. So I'm assuming that that means that his six year old version, which I think came from me, I think I sent him some of these, um, uh, that his, that he just smoked now, were a much lighter cigar than they were before. So it, that intrigues me. I wonder what yours will will taste like today and uh, what we'll share moving forward.
1: Excellent. Hey, I double-checked on the uh, Mexican experiment. It came out the first week of June of 2012.
0: A year and a half. You're right. Wow. Hmm. Well, that's pretty darn cool, actually. Huh. Wow, these are a lot older than I expected. I think of the Mexican experiment, and that seems kind of r- right still in the uh, the prime time for Tatuaje. Um, I'd say most cigar aficionados would say that Tat has kind of um, come back down to earth in the last few years, not putting out as much. Pete doesn't have as much of a presence, so on and so forth. Um, but 2012 seems right in the thick of it thinking back, and uh, it's just crazy to think this is a, these are a year and a half older than that. Wow. Yeah. Well, anything um, else new and exciting for you before we uh, move on to news, or any other thoughts on this stick?
1: No, not at the moment. Um, I'm getting some rain back, so it may be a little bit more noisy. Ah, no. Problem. Which actually has been the case here for couple of weeks now. It's just the ridiculous amount of rain that the north coast is flooded. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. Santiago, parts of it were badly flooded, but Tamborio was a little bit and then Puerto Plata, which is the north coast, other side of the mountain from us. There's thousands of people displaced right now because their homes are flooded.
0: Wow. Jeez. That, uh, it's always, always troubling to hear. Man, it's crazy, too. We're getting into the dry season.
1: Not here. It it rains throughout the winter pretty steady. It's just heavier than normal this year
0: Hmm.
1: after having a drought last year.
0: Man, oh, man. It's it's typically true that um, the farmers do prefer uh, a drought or drier season, correct? Because then they can control the moisture that the tobacco gets.
1: They can, um, but it's kind of odd, and we'll talk about this l- later. I've noticed, okay, last year, the uh, tobacco crop was planted a full month, six weeks later than normal because of the drought. Because they were trying to wait and get some water to, you know, to have some availability. Because even they, it was so dry, the reservoir la- levels were so low there wasn't enough water to properly irrigate crops. Wow. and This year, we've been inundated with rain, and I'm noticing there's still very few fields that have been planted already. <laughs> I have not asked the people who know uh, why that is, but I mean, maybe it's just too much rain this year. I don't know. It's just, I don't know why it's so late. The, the fields that I drive past a couple times every week have been turned over and cleared twice and just let go back to weeds again right now. They're going to have to clear it again if they want to use it to plant. And these fields are always planted. Hmm. I don't know.
0: It's an interesting one. There's no doubt about it. it uh, there's so much that goes into Everything. <laughs> with a cigar that it is truly astonishing. We can get any consistency in blend to me.
1: You said a mouthful (laughs) that makes, you know, we can talk about cigars and be impressed with somebody's ability to create a blend or whatever. But to me, it's far more impressive to consistently keep a blend even remotely close to what it was last year or the year before. That's, that's the, artistry in it to me
0: oh there's no doubt about it it's uh man that's crazy Hmm. well i uh i guess that's why we dabble in it and i make the chagringo and get the hell out of the business and uh we just talk about it and then they make their money and they're living based on it they obviously (laughs) know what they're doing
1: there was nothing wrong with the chagringo as long as you buy them and hold on to them for seven years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm just an old soul. I put that cigar out 75 years too late. I I just, you know, I I should have been born 100 years earlier.
1: I I think you were just very forward thinking. You thought, what am I going to like in seven years? That's what I want to do. That's artistry too, you know.
0: Quite frankly, I knew seven years, I'll have kids, I will no longer be buying as much as I was. I'll put this cigar out that that I think will be good. Then, no, <laughs> I'm yeah, giving you a hard yeah.
1: time about something I've never even attempted, and I I never smoked them early on. They may have been great to me the first year. I don't know. I just smoked them at the tail end.
0: Well, I loved them originally. They just uh, they were not good for a few years after that. <laughs> oh well.
1: It's, you, you 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 built such a a, a potent uh, or, or it's, you put such legs on your cigar that it 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 amplified all the wonderful and negative things about cigar. So it's sick period. Rather than being from two weeks to three months or so, yours just just went a little longer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was sick for seven years. I do everything well that I do, all right? Some people can get away with a 12-month sick period. I did a five-and-a-half-year sick period. Be yes. that.
1: Screw modulation. Just let it ride.
0: Yeah, let it ride. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Well, we, uh, a- as we said, we're a couple weeks late to the party on uh, the the Tatouage Monster front, but also we've uh, we've got a bit of a news story that's a couple weeks late to the party but i thought specifically that it was worth sharing here cuz it uh, it's very interesting um but it and that news story involves the embargo and uh the american cuban uh political front so thought that was a little interesting but With just Kip and I here to entertain you and uh, a couple of these news stories coming on, I challenge you to stick around if you dare. It's going to be another fun night of cigars and rum, hopefully like every one of our half-ashed. So stick around, boys and girls. It's going to be a good one.
1: That's what you always say.
0: You know, it's funny. It's easy to always say that when you've just got it in the notes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't have to say that. You don't have to give away your secrets.
0: Oh, that's all right. Hey, you you are gracious enough to put together notes and so I'll utilize them. So I I still would like you to do a show one time without any notes. And I bet we'll have a killer time. <laughs> yeah, we might. <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, so much for there not being much traffic later. I I, I really thought you know, going to be it's going to be a quiet night because doing this it, our time of course doesn't change here. We're near enough the equator that the the uh, sunset sunrise stay fairly close to some norm throughout the year, so we did not set our clocks back with you guys. And I thought, you know, starting at 1030 is going to be awesome. There, The, the roads will shut down. Nobody be around. There have been 25 cars go through here in the
0: past 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, well. Well, let's just hope that uh, they'll get it all out of the system and they won't be going by in another half an hour. How's that? Yeah, we'll see what happens.
1: I'll just start throwing nails in the road. I'll be honest.
0: Right. Oh, great. So then you'll have accidents in front of the place. That'll be nice and quiet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then I'll back over them tomorrow morning when I come out of
0: the driveway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: So, what do we got in some news here this week?
0: Well, oh, I'm not even I- on the notes, so uh, you lead us. Guide us, oh, wise you, one.
1: You don't need any notes. I don't know what your heavy reliance is on having notes anyway. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm uh, the- going to sabotage our notes one night at about... Eight forty-four, a minute before we go live, and see what you do. <laughs> I'm gonna do it.
1: Well, the first thing I got in here, actually, we could have done this offline. I just was interested in hearing what what you think is, if this is the case or not. Um, Serious Cigars, which are a retailer in Texas and a small chain, I think they had stores, but a pretty sizable online presence. and I've I've known of them for many years. I only ever ordered from them one time um, several years ago because they had a cigar that had been discontinued still in stock and I I wanted to buy them for a friend. But that has nothing to do with the story. The the story is they have been purchased. They've been acquired bought out by uh, Tabacalera USA. Which, if you're not familiar with that name, is the the uh, the U.S. arm of the greater parent company that, that this behemoth of a company that's owns Altadas and JR Cigars and I think they do the franchises for the Casa de Monte Cristo, which is one of those is close to you. And they have a handful of other groups. It's a it's a sizable company and and they have a a, a global tobacco presence, although cigars is not the bulk of the company. They, they have a big presence in the cigar industry and they bought serious, have bought them out. And I only put this in the notes because there's been a lot of people speculating, especially in the U S with the FDA changes and, and all that kind of thing that, that this is, is, or is going to become a trend where we see bigger companies buying out the smaller ones or manufacturers and distributors, uh, parent companies buying retailers to go, you know, to be another facet of their business where they can push their own products or whatever. And I really just was wondering what you thought about that. If if, if you think that's going to actually be a trend or this is just, it just so happens that there's been a few of them take place this year or, or, or what, what you think's going on there.
0: You know, I, it's hard for me to address this, um, without having, without even bringing up politics, um, but please believe me when i say that these comments are not meant to be slanted one direction or another um i just am going to mention this because it it bears consideration solely um so we've seen this this trend um this acquisition this uh perhaps shrinking of the uh the cigar industry by acquisitions over the last year or two. Um, yeah, probably two years would encompass all of it. And while I don't love it, I find it to be perhaps a necessity. But if you're going to, to look at one of the positive things with the next administration's potential, um, you're going to consider... Their very realistic opposition to um, the FDA's regulation of premium cigars. And so, whereas I think that this trend, this acquisition, this, um, let's not even look at it from an acquisition standpoint. Let's look at it from a smaller organization choosing to become part of a larger organization, because then at that point, you can even include some of the, um, manufacturers like a uh, I, this may not be the best example because it's no longer the case, but like uh, Sam Lacia being acquired or Lucia tobacco being acquired distribution wise by General Cigar. Um, it, it brings into the fray this conversation of, hey, you need to have um, a large resource pool, a large legal representation to navigate today's waters. Um, And so it makes sense. And while I don't like it because I would prefer the the nimble agility of a small manufacturer, a passionate manufacturer who has his fingers in every aspect of getting his cigars into the consumer's hand, it makes sense. Now, getting back to the potential for the next administration to perhaps (laughs) delay or make more difficult, perhaps, the FDA's regulation of premium cigars, um, it makes me wonder if some of these moves may, in the short term, um, the short term of the industry, the next four years, may make some of these moves uh, a bit of a regret of the people who decide to sell to some of the larger organizations. I know Sirius Cigars solely through some of their, um, I don't want to call them house blends. They're, uh, oh, they're cigars that they put out that they commissioned from a manufacturer. I, I'm sorry. I am absolutely lacking on the name of what that process is called. Uh,
1: just uh, go with house blend or client blend or
0: something. House blend gets the point across, but there's a an, there's another term for this, uh, whatever. Retailer specific, um, I I know Sirius through that they've had their hands in some of those and and um, they are a pretty reputable retailer in terms of volume. I, I've heard about them and I live nowhere near where they're based. Um, uh,
1: absolutely, and they. Got quite a name for themselves in the internet world because they were one of the the early adopters of of tobacco sales online and they profited greatly from that because they they were they were successful at it
0: so my thoughts on this are up in the air right now um it made sense a month ago when it looked seriously like we were going to have more of the same Administration-wise, we're going to have more of the same FDA-wise where it was status quo. the government's uh, number one unstated uh, desire with tobacco was to make it essentially um, uh, removed from the public consciousness. But now, today come uh, the third or fourth week in January. I don't remember the specific inauguration day. Uh, from then on, I'm I'm curious if this might change up this process or this this trend a little bit. And people may say, hey, you know, let's hold out. Let's see how it goes. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really know exactly what's going to happen. I don't love these acquisitions, as I said, for, for reasons of agility but maybe we might stave off a few more that uh, otherwise would have occurred in the next year or two uh, or 18 months until the, the uh, date in 2018. Um, but I, I don't know. Uh, I think right now I'm not I'm – not, I don't have an extremely strong opinion today. I'd like to give this another three or four months before I really uh, throw something out there that I can stand behind and get into an argument over.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, too. I don't know that I would even firmly call it a trend at this point. I mean, it's happened a few times, but it legitimately could have happened at at any time. And, uh, you know, when first or second week of May, May the 9th or 8th, whenever the the, uh, formal announcement came out of what the FDA was planning on doing, and people start to see the writing on the wall maybe a little more clearly, there was just nearly panic oh we're going to see the Walmartization of this industry all the little guys right, can't right. can't do this they're going to sell out this we're going to have like three companies doing all the cigars it's going to be ruined there was panic in the streets in the cigar industry i don't think i'm ready to to buy that yet at least i have hope that, that doesn't turn out to be the case
0: yeah and you know you look at you look at um you don't ever want to say that it's anything uh, specific if you're taking a politician's words from (laughs) really anything other than the immediate conversation. But you look at the past history of Mike Pence and he's come out and published op-ed pieces. Uh, I think I read somewhere in 2000, he came out with something that that stated that he felt as if tobacco um, got a bad name in terms of having uh, a negative health impact. I believe the direct quote was that um viewing tobacco as uh the number one health preventable health crisis in America was an over exaggeration i believe was was the quote from this article I read from him in two thousand or two thousand and one um stating i again I believe specifically that tobacco is not unhealthy and if consumed properly um I shouldn't say that that's a direct quote. I should say that that's a summary of my memory of what the quote was. Point being, not to condemn him or hold him to those words of which I'm not certain, um, but the point being is that there is a real chance that the cigar industry may not be under the scrutiny that it has been over the last, let's just say, six months, but certainly longer than that.
1: So we'll
0: we'll see how it goes. I I'm I'm going to stay in a holding pattern on this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's much choice. <laughs> much logical choice short of being just wildly reactionary.
0: You know, it, it I will say that, you know, kind of option C, the uh the wild card choice that I think some manufacturers are going to be willing to partake in is Um, to not stop making their um, boutique blends, but to just put them out in a different manner. I think we're going to see, as I know, I've said on this program before, I think we're going to see the American brick-and-mortar retailer be the one who suffers most. Manufacturers, I think, are going to Survive. I think they're going to ultimately hear their consumers and the consumer's desire for something new, something unique, something enjoyable, and still put out some of these cigars, but perhaps put them out internationally. And if the Cuban embargo, the embargo on Cuban products, uh, which obviously involves Cuban tobacco, Cuban cigars, has anything to prove to us, it's that consumers can still obtain those products in the United States with little to no risk. So I think some manufacturers are going to take a page out of that, still put out some of these products. And so you may not see all of the manufacturers perhaps jump ship in this manner, but I'm not overly surprised to see yet another retailer jump ship, or at least just express what they feel might be in their best interest. It's, yeah. it's not hard to see the writing on the wall here, folks. If you're a retailer, you got to figure something out. There's no doubt,
1: yeah, yeah, given the history of tobacconists not always being the most cutting edge forward thinking industry um, it, it, it it tends to be a reactionary industry,
0: yeah, very much,
1: okay, what if we got in here
0: well no, oh. no 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 i I, I want to know. If your thoughts on this you're very good at, at being a, uh, a supporting host. you're, you're my, my half ash spouse you do a very good job of supporting me. What are your opinions not fed, not taking into account my own on this?
1: Well I'm anxious to see how that would work out with, with the, the scenario you've postulated with uh, manufacturers. I think it may even be more a benefit to international retailers than the manufacturers because presumably the cigars would go through some international sales market and be brought to the U.S. In in the same way that Cuban cigars have been for the past 50 years (laughs) or (laughs) at least frequently for the past 20 years, Um, I I don't know what's going to happen to American retailers. I mean, they're not… It's not like they're all sitting on easy Street right now. Uh, I, I, I'm anxious and maybe not in a good way to see how they respond to this. I'm, I mean, I can't tell you the number of retailers that I could walk into that were regular stops for me that don't have so much as a, an email mailing list for customers. They don't, they don't have a website of any kind. They're still operating the way that that, that shop would have operated 40 years ago uh, just on foot traffic alone. And I, I don't while that may not be directly tied you know, to what we're talking about, it's tied to everything in some way. And, and it it's an indicator of all the other facets of how that business operates. And I don't know, I don't know if they're going to respond in time to how quickly the things are changing when many of them don't even know what what's already here in terms of the FDA. Of course, the FDA can't tell us much either, but <laughs> that's a whole other story too. But uh, what happens when, you know, the enforcement pops in and says, hey, you, this 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 changed two years ago. You've been doing this wrong all this time. And then, okay, here's your list of penalties, and they can't pay those penalties. I don't know. I, I don't know how this is going to develop, but I don't. I don't think we're going to see the Walmartization of the industry because I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for there being uh, as this, uh, a retailer space for tobacco in the U.S. I, I and that's, I don't mean that to sound as dark and scary as it does. I. I don't think we're going to see cigar stores on every corner anytime in the near future. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be that many for someone to buy up. I think you'll continue to see some of these bigger retailers, which are small in the scope of a company like Altadas. Uh, I think you'll see those be bought up in some of the more, I don't want to say important, some of the bigger markets. They're not going to buy, uh, you know, Joe Blow's Smoke Shop in Strawberry Plains, Tennessee, there's no need for it. It's not, it's not going to become a successful operation, or at least it's not likely. I think the focus, if there is a focus or if there's a coordinated effort to buy up retailers by some of these bigger companies, it's going to be the bigger retailers. It's going to be the ones that already have the infrastructure in place to compete uh, in the marketplace today. I don't think they're going to buy these shops that are operating the way they would have operated decades ago because there's no faith that they're going to be successful in the future.
0: Exactly. That's, I mean, that is just the key. There is no reason if there's no guarantee, essentially, if you're going to make such a large acquisition to just get into that market again or in another way.
1: Right. Why buy something you don't think is going to be successful? <laughs> Why do you want to buy someone else's likely failure?
0: My dad always described gambling in a very specific way. Don't do it unless you know you can win. <laughs> I mean, that's business. It's just business to a T. Don't do it unless you know it's going to be beneficial to you, especially a company like that with stockholders and – or with. Excuse me, with shareholders that that are gonna come a call in if it's not a good move. Now, granted, I'm sure it's a drop in the bucket, but every drop in the bucket needs to be justified somehow if you want to remain on your on uh, on the board. But uh, it's an oversimplification. There's no doubt about it. But I think that there's got to be a reason that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. And I
1: guess we'll we'll see what those reasons are and how valid they are in the next twelve months. As we, sorry, as we progress through 2017, and you know, there's a couple of new facets of this uh, FDA control come into play next year, and then 2018 will be a big year. Uh, a lot of things are going to come home to roost in terms of, the, of oh, yeah. what these regulations mean. And I think that's going to be the time when it really shakes out and we see w- what the long-term future is going to look like.
0: Well, my, uh, I, don't have, I don't have all this information solidified yet. But if you're going to talk about Sirius cigars, you can look at Sirius being um, very well represented around the Houston area in Texas and Casa de Monte Cristo, if you'd excuse me. Um, Let me try to get these. I know they
1: have one in your neck of the woods and one in South Florida. I'm not sure about the others. I would assume...
0: I think uh, they're also in Dallas, too. Yeah. Let me see. Excuse me? Well, point being is that I'd be curious if this is going to make a change with serious cigars. If it will be serious cigars with the Casa de Monte Cristo lounge, something along those lines. Um,
1: yeah. To see if there's some kind of, you know, effort to coordinate the branding across the company, even, even if it hasn't historically been something similar.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm running into a bit of an issue. The Casa de Monte Cristo website for the countryside, which is Chicago for the countryside location just specifies what those owners Um, They own four shops. Uh, What those owners run, it's not getting outside the Chicago area. So I'll I'll have that information at some point here, but I don't have it right now. Gotcha. Exhaling. Why don't you move on to the next one here, and I'll see if I can uh, enlighten us.
1: Yeah, I'd like to because I know you at least used to have some affinity for one of these cigars. Um, And I just stuck it in there because we're smoking Tatawahi tonight, and uh, Pete Johnson posted up a picture from the rum bar, I believe, the one in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm assuming he's out there for the big smoke this week. Uh, That uh, he was smoking something from the RC line, which we, I believe, smoked way, way back there, the 184. Yes, sir. And, and he put a picture up of a size that was new. It was, He just called it the number two, and it was made mention that it was five and five-eighths by 54, which, unlike the two existing Vitolas, is a normal human-sized cigar. The uh, 184 we smoked, I believe, looking at the numbers here, was seven and a quarter by 57, <laughs> And the yeah, 233
0: the 184 is a sublime.
1: Yeah. And the, uh, the other one, the 233, and I believe those, those numbers are the lengths and millimeters. If I'm remembering correctly, uh, the 233 is nine and a half by 55, which is a gargantuan cigar. Um, anyway, this, this picture made it up to Instagram and spawned off some comments and there's been a couple of other cigar media outlets put up some stories about it. But, uh, this line is expanding, the RC line specifically, and uh, as I mentioned, he had the number two in the picture, um, but uh, after some questioning by one of the other outlets, apparently there's two other Vitolas. Aside from the number two, there'll be a number one and a number three, with the number one being four and three quarters by 52, and the number three is six and a half by 56. Um, not uh, Coming from that, I, one, I really liked this cigar. I really liked the 184. It was just so freaking big for me. I, I don't typically smoke a cigar that size, and so I, I would like to uh, just check this out on a smaller scale and see how it see how it translates. And it it will also feature an Ecuador and Habano wrapper, and no real specific details about pricing or any more about the blend? Uh, presumably, it will be very similar to uh, to the, uh, the the existing two sizes. Um, I just stuck it in there because we're smoking Tatawahe. I really like the 184, and I'm anxious to try them in a, a like I said a normal human size. We tell. I
0: I think I still I bought one box of the 184s. In. 2009, 2010, something like that. I, it was a while ago. And I and there are a box of 10. I'm pretty sure I still have some. They're so large. They're just it's just so impossible for me to find 3 hours when one I have 3 hours, two I know I'm going to be able to hydrate, go to the washroom and eat something because I'm going to need to refresh myself for Pete's sake. I I mean it's just it's a commitment. I'm not a huge cigar guy. It's one of the reasons why I love my Coronas. They're easy to fit in. But that being a great cigar makes this idea all the more intriguing.
1: It does. And, and that 184, at, at the time I left Tampa, there was still a shop that had some on the shelves. That, that, well, they
0: were made at a couple different times, I think. Not I think, I know. Um, so it's, it's not altogether surprising that you'd see some, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they were some of the 2008, I think when the first time that they put those out 2007, 2008, that'd be really impressive. But, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they were tens or something. Could
1: be possible. Yeah, you got me. I just know they sat there for a long time. I think everybody was kind of afraid of those cigars.
0: You know, maybe it's something that a lot of people don't know, but I'm fairly certain most Pepin-manufactured cigars, and definitely Tatuaje cigars, have box dates on the bottom when those cigars are are packaged and ready for shipment. I'm reasonably certain you can lift up a box of tats and see when they're from. So I, I know I have a lot of tats, a number of boxes of tats with years on them, so... Yeah, something to check out if you're interested in that sort of a thing. See? So,
1: mm-hmm. what else we
0: got here? Before huh? we get into this next story here, which is uh, uh, infuriating, um, I am I am getting some wonky ash uh, tendencies with this cigar. Have Have you gotten into any of that?
1: No, not at all. I actually preemptively knocked the ash off mine a little early because I didn't want to end up with it on my shirt. Um, But the one that I smoked this morning, uh, the ash grew to an enormous length before I knocked it off, and it 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 never never fell. It, It it was a lovely ash. The thing burned as evenly as you could ever hope for, and it. It just stayed true until I knocked it off. It didn't even fall. I got scared of it.
0: <laughs> well, I uh, I am not very long. I'm only a quarter inch at this point of ash, uh, having knocked it off a short while ago. And it's, it's mushrooming a bit on me. I, I'm always curious why this happens. Now, it's not very hot. I can hold it just below the burn line. And it's warm, but it's not bad at all. <laughs> It's, uh, it's interesting to me that it's occurring.
1: You've got the Elmer Fudd shotgun effect.
0: Yeah, just slightly, but it's definitely there. I mean, you can pick it up on the side and see that it's opening up a little bit.
1: I have a friend back in Florida that had an uncanny knack to do that to cigars. I mean, he come to my house and we would be smoking for my humidor cigars that had lain side by side for years. Uh, uh, every other cigar in there smoking fine, but you give him one and it would do that almost you know, a, a ridiculous percentage of the time. I never figured out why hmm. it was clear enough that it became uh, a standing joke in our group of guys that, that this one gentleman could canoe or cause the ash to just peel apart like that. And and it was always him I don't, and no clue why, but it was funny.
0: it I- that's interesting to me that it was something that he would experience more than other people that I really have always wondered if it's the cigar or the smoker. That's interesting. Well, we,
1: I mean, we had a a standing joke that he could canoe a cigarette. she's crazy. Huh. I will right. say, I, I will throw something else about this cigar. This one seems to be a little sweeter than the first one. And that may just be, because it's not the first cigar of the day for me, um, coming across almost berry-like to me, and I'm staying away from the citrus because there's nothing like that kind of sweetness to me. But it, it's it's a darker sweetness, you know. You think uh, 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 ginger beer or or uh, some kind of berries or something, and that maybe it's just because I'm paying more attention this time around as well. Because like I said, the the first one, I lit it up first thing this morning and a little bit later. And then again in the afternoon, I, I smoked that thing throughout the day at different times because it is quite a bit of cigar. But this one definitely seems sweeter than the first one. But again, that very well could be me either paying more attention or because it's Saturday and not my first cigar today.
0: Well, this has definitely gotten sweeter in the second third. I will say that now it has, you know, we don't need to be getting into this too much, but it does have some of that citrus that was noticeably absent in the first third. Um, So it's sweetening up a touch and definitely moving out of the realm of that, uh, you know, uh, three-inch porterhouse meatiness that it was upon lighting
1: yeah mine is is clearly away from that meatiness, but I'm stopping short of the citrus so far
0: hmm. well, shall we uh talk about the wholly depressing tobacco tax uh news that we have here
1: sure this uh if you have very many friends in social media that are out of the California. Uh, area <laughs> the California area the California market um, I saw some of the, some of the updates coming from retailers and actually cigar reps in California and more so than anybody else. But that on this past election they had a proposition Proposition 56 which was a pretty sizable tax increase on tobacco products specifically cigarettes but It carries down the line to other tobacco products, which include cigars. Um, And they actually did not have a crazy high cigarette tax in comparison to many other states. Uh, It was formerly uh, 87 cents per pack. And as soon as this takes effect, and it, it overwhelmingly passed to increase to $2.87 per pack of cigarettes, which when the math works out down the line and the prognosticators in the cigar industry and media have worked out some of these numbers, it essentially doubles the cigar tax when it makes its way through the math that drives that uh, that tax rate in California. And so, you know, there was an example that a ten-dollar MSRP cigar right now sells for about fourteen bucks in California, and after this takes effect, is that ten-dollar cigar that you can buy in Florida, where there's no cigar tax, is a ten-dollar cigar. It will become an eighteen-fifty cigar in California once this gets into into place.
0: why that is scary as crap.
1: That's a yeah, that's a. It, it should be scary to California retailers more than anybody. How do you compete when I, I have a cigar I'm trying to sell you for eighteen fifty, or you can order it from Pennsylvania for ten bucks?
0: Oh, it's uh, yeah, it, it just doesn't look good for retailers. <laughs> no, mean, brick and mortar retailers specifically. Right.
1: There is a a major cigar distributor wholesaler. In California, I I don't, I don't guess for their shipments out of state, it's going to matter, but uh, presumably they supply much of the uh, California cigar market at wholesale. I wonder how that's going to impact anything at the wholesale level or if this is strictly at retail.
0: Well, I don't think it's going to make a lot of people happy. I'll tell you that.
1: No, I can't imagine. (laughs) Well, it's not going to make a lot of cigar people happy. We should say that.
0: Well, yeah, that's that's true. And there probably aren't too many of them out there.
1: We're not exactly in the majority these days.
0: No, we're not. Does, Either. you know, completely, well, it's related. I won't say it's unrelated, but a completely different direction. Does the CRA have confidence in its numbers of American premium cigar smokers? Or are those just kind of colloquial?
1: I don't know. I, I, I don't know where that number comes from. Uh, I mean, you can make a guess. There's 300 million cigars imported into the, premium cigars imported into the U.S. each year, on the books, legal cigars, and well, they claims what's well, the last number I remember is about three million.
0: Yeah, three and a half, I thought was the number, but yeah. it's the same realm at least.
1: Is your average cigar guy smoke 100 cigars a year.
0: Probably not. I, I'm I'm below that. I bet I'm around eighty a year. Um uh, and I would say that I'm probably in terms of that three million people, I'm I'm gonna guess that I'm on the higher end of that.
1: Hmm. Well, if that's the case then there should be more than three million cigar smokers. Yeah. It's-
0: that's true, but uh, you never know what's counted in that number, too. That's 300 million.
1: That's true, and uh, that is something, some definition exists somewhere, but it does not include small cigars, the you know, black and miles and whatnot.
0: Sorry, I'm uh, I'm actually trying to keep this cigar lit, it is uh. I can tell that it the nicotine is slightly getting to me because I'm not enjoying as much of it as I normally would, or it it as often as I normally would.
1: Yeah. Hmm. This one's still uh, trucking right along with the burn. It's a little bit wobbly. It's not as uh, well-kempt as the first one, but I got, I got no complaints. It's performing very well so far.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear that. Always happy to hear when uh, a cigar I provide is enjoyed or performs uh, admirably.
1: Dude, I was trying to keep my comments to myself, but I was in love with this cigar this morning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear that.
1: Yeah, I'm always I'm, glad to hear that. I am just short of Tatawahe fanboy anyway, but I really like that cigar, and I'm really liking this one.
0: Well, there's, uh, there's a lot of good that comes out of the Tatouage uh, brand, and I'd say that when you can combine Tatouage and a San Andres wrapper, you can pretty much just check the box that says Kip is going to be pleased.
1: Yeah, I'll own that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I don't think there'd be too many people who listen to our show who wouldn't say that.
1: Well,
0: other than than, uh, that news story regarding the tax increase, we do have one other absolutely horrendous news story to talk about here, Um, and that would be that despite the fact that you have spent the time, effort, money, and devotion putting the Don Carlos Band tattooed on your bicep, They are changing the band away from what you have for the second time. How dare they? I know.
1: Actually, I don't... It doesn't bother me in the least because what's on my arm was the band on the cigar that was my favorite cigar for dang near 20 years. So, hmm. yeah, I'm not too bothered by it. But this time, it's it's a pretty... It's a significant change this time. Uh, in early 2011, <laughs> the year after I had this put on my arm, um, they changed it up a little bit, and with some minor changes in the internal design of the band, um, but added a, a pretty significant section across the bottom with some extra gold trim and whatnot. Um, but the the Don Carlos has always shared its uh, it's banned, at least, if not total packaging, but at least the band with the Hemingway lines and in a different color scheme. The, the Chateau, uh, Chateau, was green and red, whereas Don Carlos and Hemingway were black and red. Um, but and then there was, you know, changes, but not too significant in 2011. But now they are changing, and and those changes in 2011 applied to. All of them uh, to the Chateau series, the the Hemingway, the Don Carlos, they all changed.
0: The Anejo. And this time, kind of,
1: yeah, the Anejo actually was a little bit later. I think there was another year passed before they made the change there. I'm assuming they had a pretty hefty supply of bands to go through before the change hit the market. I didn't um, know that
0: was the case. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was still buying the old bands on Anejo's. Uh, the year following the change on the other bands uh, hmm. wow anyway this this change is just for don carlos and these are not bands that no one has seen before they just started showing up on don carlos and it's the band that we saw over the past several months when the eye of the shark and the don carlos private reserve came out uh, which i have one i didn't bother to bring it out i could have shown you i can put a picture up on the forum It's uh, predominantly black, whereas the existing bands are red. Just a change in color scheme and a couple other little minor details. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's changing. It's a packaging change. In the future, at least, that'll be a blend change. Be classified as a blend change, maybe.
0: Uh, Well... I know that uh, you probably screamed a little bit when you heard about this again, but uh, we're all here for you, Kip. If you need somebody to talk to, you can go to the forum. We'll, we'll give you the collective electronic pat on the back, <laughs> shoulder to cry on.
1: Yeah, you'll rot me to sleep, tell me everything's going to be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but, you know, we're here for you, buddy. <laughs> uh, well... I uh I think that that leaves me with the next news story here um and it's one that I'm not altogether certain if you caught uh I know for a fact that I did not so I'm I'm very interested in this story just more because it's gamesmanship um and it involves Cuba than anything else but uh I don't know perhaps Perhaps you can offer up a bit of objectivity here, because anytime I hear anything about the U.S. and Cuba, it's hard for me to to stay objective with that. But somehow we missed this on, uh, I think, the 20, 28th of October, um, just before we recorded the last time um, the U.S. abstained from a vote regarding the U.N., um, the U.N., Actually, coming up with their annual, uh, let me let me get this right. I'm not just going to wing this one because it, uh, it it's a little bit important that I state the specifics here. But um, the United States has consistently voted against resolutions that the UN has put forth, that the General Assembly has put forth, on the resolution calling for an end to the U.S. trade embargo on Cuba. That has been something that's gone on for more than two decades. Um, It was very, very common for uh, this to be put to a vote among the assembly and the United States to be the only member um, to typically vote in favor of this. At times, Israel would join as well, supporting the United States, and it would be something like 190 in opposition and two uh, in support of the United States um, embargo. Well, for the first time ever this year, the United States is abstaining from that vote. They are not going to come out the The diplomat, the United States diplomat, who's a woman, I believe, uh, Samantha Power is her name. Um, she will not be casting a vote in support of the United States embargo. Um, one would assume, and I've seen some, some verbiage expressed on this, that The executive branch, the administration uh, currently in power, is choosing to not support this due to uh, essentially the um, President Obama's understanding and attempts to start to normalize relations between our two nations. And the reason being why we are no longer supporting this or why we are no longer opposing it, pardon me, um, is very interesting to me. The Obama administration is choosing to abstain from this vote because they want to put some pressure or to at least distance themselves from the Republican held Congress, not putting an end to the embargo. But the ambassador will not go so far as to cast a vote in opposition of the embargo Due to there being certain language in this this um, general assembly's vote which the u s does not agree with so it's it's an interesting first step on the the diplomatic front it's really not even a first step um, when you consider that this uh, the normalization began through the help of other United Nations members, um, namely canada and and the Vatican, if I remember correctly um, this is just really interesting to me. It's gamesmanship. It's one more, it's just one more little pushback that um, the Obama administration is putting out there again. You know, they're lame duck politics, politicians. Um, It's the end of the run. This is when you can really see what uh, sort of a legacy Obama wants to be known for. (laughs) And uh, this of humanitarian and, overall diplomatic normalization of relations between these two nations. um, That's, that's an interesting one to be known for. And uh, I hope um, that those in the know, those truly in the know of how things are in Cuba um, are starting to see some sort of uh, increase or positivity down there. You know, there's been a lot more Cuban, excuse me, a lot more American tourists who have visited Cuba than ever before Hopefully that money is going to good and not just lining the pockets of that administration. Um, I just am absolutely fascinated with all of this. And while this really isn't necessarily a powerful move, um, this vote truly has no authority to stop or to maintain the embargo. It's more symbolic it's very intriguing to me that even just for symbolic reasons, the United States or the Obama administration specifically is attempting to keep their foot on the pedal here um, and not let up I, I i'm I like that I'm intrigued by that, and I think ultimately that uh, when the embargo does end that no one will look back and say yeah, the, the end of the Obama administration had nothing to do with this. I think that it will be quite the opposite. And to me, that's a good thing. Yeah.
1: And and at the very least it's consistent, which is something we lack in our government too much.
0: Very true. And one would assume that if this is the first time this vote has, has been abstained from that even last year after, after relations had started to become normalized, um, the United States still voted in support of the embargo in the UN. So even after the normalization process began, we expressed uh, a steadfast need for that embargo in the United Nations. So if we're changing that, hopefully that is a sign more that there are positive signs occurring rather than just, well, we want to be consistent and I don't think it is only out of consistency. Um, but I hope that's the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Got lots of words coming from you on this one.
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't know this story existed until about 30 seconds before we started recording.
0: <laughs> well, it was, it was an interesting one. I, I, I'm on some websites that are devoted to Cuba and Cuban relations, um, and I just perused them today and randomly looked back and saw a story from October, and couldn't believe that I had missed it, both there as well as in the normal news cycle, as well as as in the involving, uh, excuse me, as being involved in the cigar industry. Um, it's really, really interesting.
1: Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh- <laughs> Maybe in the next couple of months, but what happens after that, I suppose.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, what you getting out of this cigar these days? I'm getting 100% humidity that's making the burn a little <laughs> a little tighter. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the, the storm is arriving. Uh, it's been a little bit of lightning and much harder rain I'm trying to talk over.
0: Yeah. Mm. That's interesting, because I'd say that I absolutely am hearing less uh, water noise from you now than before, even when you're speaking. It seems as if it's more of perhaps a, a uniform tone, and so it's being it's being um, filtered out maybe by your mic.
1: Hopefully, that's the case. I, I have been staying completely muted if I'm not talking. We'll see. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, in, in terms of... Yeah, in terms of this cigar, I am now entering the final third. I'm in the two-and-a-half-inch range, two-and-a-quarter-inch range, somewhere around there. Um, there was a phase here when I had a lot of citrus, uh, about an inch or so, and that's died out. I'm not so much back to the meatiness that I was earlier, but it's kind of transitioned. I'm getting more of a leathery flavor, Um you know, uh, leather face, it's funny. I doubt that was intended, but um, you know, it uh, it was a, a correlation that I made. Um, I, I'm not seeing so much of the spicy flavor that I was getting, the spiced flavor that I was getting from the wrapper in the second, third, any longer. This is now going a little more one dimensional, which is interesting to me that a six year old cigar is having its final third be a bit one dimensional um, because I would have expected that to be completely the opposite. This cigar has got a little bit of age. It has been kept well in my humidor for uh, its entire length. I was the first purchaser of these. Um, it's been in cellophane in a box in my um, climate controlled humidor. So it's been a, a very good, it's had a good life. <laughs> um but it's behaving now like a younger cigar, a cigar that still needs to develop, which is really interesting. Um, I, I like it. I would say this is not the best example that I've had. Um, year four and five were much better than uh, year six, I'd say. But it's smokable. It does have some nicotine, though it's not overpowering in how the sensations of the flavor present themselves. Um, it has a much stronger room aroma now. I'm not usually one to be able to pick up the room aroma, but it has a, a, a spicy peppery room aroma, which is very interesting. Um, and I'm enjoying that almost as much as I've been enjoying the cigar itself. So, um, I don't know. There's not too much to report in terms of flavors on my front. I, what about you?
1: Yeah, I'm just getting to probably the the point you were calling citrus, and that's the closest thing to a something I would call citrus since I lit it. Um, I, I think this middle section was the sweet spot for me in, in the first example, just because the tail end of it, the final third of it, I, and I, having you know, time between each session today as I smoked this thing throughout the day, I had time to reboot between each. And so I smoked the first one down next to it was just you know, about to burn away Mustache and um, it got much more potent at the end in terms of its strength, and the flavors hardened a lot toward the end, too, where they got a little more more like uh, some of Pepin's signature flavors, some more spice, um, more uh, crispness, uh, and less of the sweetness that i would had through its entire length beforehand. Um, but right now, it's still very sweet. It is more citrusy, less dark sweet root beer, ginger beer kind of flavors. And still grooving on it. I'm I'm digging it a lot.
0: Really making an attempt to get some flavor here at the end. I, I've retrohaled a little bit, and it's it's a little uh, tingly up there. Um, but I'm I am definitely getting um, some really dark fruit flavors there's definitely a a sweetness that's coming from raisins that just just like syrupy fruity um uh dried fruit flavor that's there which was not what the sweetness was in the second third um I'd say like a, a almost sugary almost syrupy sweet fruity flavor is an underlying flavor to kind of go in the final third to go along with some of the the depth. Um, again, not as meaty, but kind of just a, a darker, solid tobacco core in the final third.
1: Yeah, and, and not having smoked these when they were uh, recently released or when they were young, like I said, I don't have the comparison. I don't have the memory to make a comparison. But this this cigar feels very sedate compared to most of what I've smoked from from my father, from Tatawahe. Um, uh, and I, I was wondering if that had, is a factor of time or if this blend was kind of created that way originally. And what's making me think of that is the Mexican experiment, it was very much like this. It, there was not a lot of strength. There was not a lot of hard, bold Nicaraguan spice coming through And it. The sweetness seemed to be the, the keystone of that blend. And, it, and, it, and it's that way for me, for this cigar, I don't get the, you know, my father regular line kind of bold Nicaraguan kind of new school Nicaraguan things we talk about with the, uh, that, that sharp spice. uh, There's none of that here for me.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I would not say that there's a sharp spice in this whatsoever until I just tried to, to do some retro hailing, um, I'm I'm certainly not the best judge of that. I typically don't retrohale uh, as often as you do. I'll do it in spurts to taste the cigar, but to just maintain that retrohale is, it's a little bit harder for me than I would say otherwise.
1: Yeah, I've developed my Billy Goat nose. As <laughs> Bob, Bob talked about his Billy Goat palate. <laughs> there was a time that I didn't retrohale very much at all, and now it's it's kind of the norm rather than the exception. That's just the pattern I've fallen into. Huh. <sighs> well, well, what what else you been smoking this?
0: Well, two weeks. I was just going to uh, to bring that up. I had an old cigar that is not a norm, but is absolutely one that. I can't find a single reason why I don't reach for more often.
1: And what is it?
0: It is, um, the Ashton cabinet. So. A Fuente product. Well, Fuente rolled product, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, two weeks ago on the show, I talked about the Ashton Maduro, the aged Maduro that I smoked and that I was impressed with that. And that I, I didn't know why that was a cigar. I wouldn't want more other than the price. Well, I don't, I have to admit, I don't know what the price of these cabinets are. I, it has been a long time since i purchased one. If that wasn't obvious, this was a gift was given me by a, a, a former coworker. Um, So, for the price that I paid, there's no reason why I wouldn't smoke this more often. Um, But, man, oh, man. This was citrusy. It had a bready sweetness to it. That kind of yeasty, bready sweetness that I absolutely adore. A, A bit of a nutty flavor from time to time with it, too. Just great. A great cigar. And if you give it a chance... You know, if you're someone who doesn't really have uh, a palate that is just used to and or destroyed by overly heavy, overly full cigars and can enjoy a mild cigar, you got to reach for this, man. It's just flipping fantastic.
1: Yeah, I I have not smoked one in years, but I was a huge fan of these Back in the day, and, and I mean, shoot, many years ago. I don't even know how long it's been, but long ago. And went through a number of them. I don't know the exact pricing these days either. It seems like my information is now almost a year and a half old. But in Tampa, at the time I moved last year, they ran 9 to 11 bucks a piece, depending on the size.
0: That's a lot of money and
1: that that's a factor of a couple of things it's ashton um well there's an extra step in the process an extra uh middleman because they are produced by fuente and they go through ashton's hands and the distributors hands and everything else there's one extra step of course and it's a they made product. They, they use good tobacco that has, they, they've invested in setting aside for a long time and they need to recoup that. So, you know, there's a few things that play into the price, but like you said, if these cigars, if you're somebody that can appreciate that, then maybe it's worth it. Uh, it, it was worth it to me for a very long time. I, I smoked a lot of those cigars.
0: Hmm. Well, I, I just thought it was worth the, uh, you know. We all know I am the one on this show who doesn't go into a humidor looking for the, the new thing. Um, but here's me
1: smoking a twenty year old. I, uh,
0: I just think that maybe I shouldn't just uh, espouse that all the time. That yeah, uh, find uh, some favorites and enjoy those maybe i should talk about the favorites that i've rediscovered and uh i think that that that's that's not going to that's not going to uh upset anybody to make them go oh yeah i forgot about that that is without a doubt um <clears throat> something that i want us to realize especially now especially with the future um being a little uncertain find some some really enjoyable things that you know are always going to be there you know because there's a lot of them out there man
1: there are and i have many times re-encountered a blend that i used to like and had just moved on to other things and then just to rediscover hey i still really like this cigar and it's it's funny to hear you talk about maybe opening up your realm a little bit and, and exploring some of these things either new or new to you or old to you, but haven't smoked in a while. And I've kind of drifted in the opposite direction just because of availability. I I, I don't, I, I don't have a shop I can walk into that has 3000 facings the way yeah. I did in Tampa. And there's not a constant influx of new cigars. There, there's, One or two here and there that come in. There's actually a new one just popped up this week here at the local shop. Uh, I have not been down there to to try them. I just saw it on their Facebook feed. But uh, I don't have the opportunity, so I've kind of settled in a groove of smoking regular cigars that I know I like that I can have mule down here when somebody's coming to visit because, quite honestly, honestly, it's much more inexpensive for me to buy them from the States than to buy cigars here, whether they're Dominican or, or other. Uh, they just cost more here, especially Dominican cigars.
0: You just need to make more friends with more manufacturers.
1: I think that's the key, yeah. I'm going to have to lease my way into some, some more factories. I need to work on that very sooner rather than later.
0: You know, there's just a shirt you can wear when you walk into those factories that I'm sure Skip could help you out with.
1: Oh, the Weasel
0: shirt? Yeah. I have that shirt. You know, I think I've seen you in that shirt, actually. Yeah,
1: I've, I've worn it on the show a couple times.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> ah, Good times.
1: Well, I don't have just a whole lot to report about, um, honestly. I, I think last time around, I talked about that Oliva Inferno, which is a house, house brand made for famous by Oliva. And Michael Stewart had brought me one down when he came and visited in January, and I really liked it. So I ordered some and had my friend bring them back with her from the States uh, to carry them down. And I talked about that last time. Um, but I've smoked quite a few of those in the time since and still still think they're a great cigar and a great bargain because uh, they put them on sale for less than $3 a stick. But anyhow, the only other thing I've really smoked these past couple of weeks that's noteworthy is from Padilla, the Padilla Miami Maduro. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, mistaken El Titan de Bronce makes that for them in Miami. And uh, same thing. I ordered them with the infernos and and had my cohort. She was going to the states. I had her bring them back from my friend who accepts my packages for me there. And man, I I haven't liked a Padilla cigar that much in ten years. I, it, mm. I thought it was it was really good. It's not not a cigar I'm going to commit my you know my entire cigar budget to for the next year, but. It was a very good cigar. I really liked it. It was, um, you know, Padilla rebooted their company three, four years ago, where they just essentially wiped their core lines and started from scratch. Um, and they have cigars made by Altiton de Bronce. They have some made by Oliva. Seems like uh, seems like there was one other manufacturer in that mix making Padilla's products, but I don't recall what it was now. And I, I my remember. it did for a while. They did. I don't know if they still do, but uh, I, they I don't know. Not. Okay. Um, I remember when they rebooted, I liked some of the new blends, but again, that that thing that was playing in, it was, you know, adding a third party in, buying it from a very good manufacturer kind of made the pricing a little out of line, in my opinion. Um, but these were reasonably priced and were good cigars. And, and I'm a big fan of El Teton de Bronce anyway. I, I like the I like their products that they make for other folks. They made some lapolinas They made some, uh, I think they made some of the El Primer Mundo, um, if I'm not misremembering. Uh, now some of those are out of PDR down here. But anyway. But I walked into that shop there in Little Havana and just bought some of their own line, some of their own cigars they're making for themselves and, and dug them at the time. And same goes for this. I, I would definitely buy this Miami Maduro again. Hmm.
0: <clears throat> That's always good to hear. I can't say I have much experience with that.
1: It it um It actually was darker and sweeter than what I've gotten from this cigar uh, overall. There was not a great deal of spice in it, which is in opposition to the other Padillas I had tried. Um, uh, it, it was lightly sweet, more leathery, but but that raisiny kind of thing you were describing earlier kind of hits home with that cigar. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It, it was up to but not over the line that made it that would have made it cloying whereas something's just too sweet it's just too much i I don't like that um and i don't i don't mean that it flirted with that line i enjoyed and uh, have enjoyed them i've only had a couple of them so far i like them i'd buy them again that really is the bottom line that that when you're talking to somebody, say, would you spend your money on that cigar again? It's is kind of the thing you can talk about it and, and say it's, you know, I have a friend, his entire review system is, yeah, this is good. Or no, that's a bucket of ass. <laughs> this has <is> two <laughs> options. <laughs> and, and you know, at the end of the day, the important thing is, okay, let me have your real opinion. Would you spend your money on that cigar again? I would on this one.
0: Hmm. That's that's pretty good. That's a pretty good uh, uh, little, um, gosh, what the heck do I want to say? Uh, why do I keep wanting to say advertisement? Um, endorsement. <laughs> good gracious. hope okay.
1: It's not an advertisement because they're not paying me jack.
0: <laughs> no, 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 definitely not.
1: Uh, well, you got one more on here that uh, is an oldie bit of
0: goodie. Yeah, man. I, uh, I have to send a little shout out to DC Dan Crouch. Um, good friend of the show. Good friend of mine. Uh, he's, he's been somebody who has supported us with, uh, unbanded cigars and, uh, banded cigars, uh, at the same time. And he sent me a victory package because the Chicago Cubs won the world series and, uh, I cannot thank him enough. That was just brilliantly kind of him. Um, And it included uh, a little five-pack of these J. Fuego Origin Originals. And I'm sure that you've heard us talk about them. I'm sure you've seen them. They're little paper packs of hand-rolled, unmolded Figurados. uh, Like four and a half, five inches long, somewhere in there about a 44 or 46 ring uh figurados. they're freaking brilliant i want to swear so bad they're that good um i just can't i can't say enough about them this pack you can find them for 15 16 bucks for five cigars um little cigar that to me lasts an hour it's a, the perfect length for uh a car ride when you're going to um a job site or something like that just really really great cigars um they don't jazz up the packaging they don't put a band on them they don't do anything they just put out a terrific cigar for a terrific price and i i can't complain i love them love them
1: i did as well and i say did not because i don't still or wouldn't still enjoy them i just don't don't have access to them uh, here, but in, in the states, I used to buy them with some regularity. That for some period of time became my regular fishing cigar, just because it was easy to throw a pack of those in a you know a vest pocket or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it's one of those things where it's a pack of cigars in paper, and so I never really thought that it was. Uh, well, I I was always fearful that it was going to be damaged or that it wasn't going to transport well, but the paper is tight enough around them where they don't move around. It's also thick enough where you're not really going to scratch them or bend them or crack them. Um, man, it's just, it's great. I really, really like the packaging. Um, I, I just, I can't say enough good about these cigars, man. I, I need to smoke them more often and I need to pick them up more often quite frankly the biggest reason why I don't pick them up is because generally when I go to a cigar store I'm buying a cigar to smoke there I'm not buying a five pack you know Um, but I should spend five dollars more pick up a five pack and then have four cigars to smoke when I get home too so very very uh, great sticks yes sir
1: well, we just kind of talked about this cigar. Uh, got anything else to say before we start wrapping up?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Um, I don't really have any news on this cigar. It's still just about the same thing as it was. Um, you know, but uh, quite frankly, it's a good. One. You can find it, and you're willing to kind of branch out on a slightly different. A um, uh, slight difference from the typical My Father products and typical Tatuaje products, shoot. Uh, if you like the Mexican experiment, shoot. If you like perhaps some Casa Fernandez products, shoot. I, I think it's a lot of good reasons to give it a, a try um, without necessarily, oh, I don't know, endorsing the fact that these were $13 cigars. At the best of times. Oh, pardon me. Boy, oh boy the <laughs> chat room's going to give me a hard time about the hiccups. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, It's just a, a good cigar for, you know, those random, celebratory, u- unique times.
1: Yes, they are. And at the price <laughs> I got them at, they are just phenomenal. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you did get them for a good price. I
1: did. I'm very grateful for that, too. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Dang it.
1: Well, as Craig sorts out his hiccup issues, his hic issues, I will start wrapping us up uh, as the rain comes back. Uh, uh, Thanks for joining us and tuning in this week. As always, we certainly appreciate it. And... uh, Next time around in episode 156, we will be smoking in Unbanded, also from Dan Crouch, who uh, Craig was just talking about and sent him the care package. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, you can get us at craig at halfash.com or kit at halfash.com or through any of the typical social media outlets Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course the forum at halfash.com. We'd uh, love to have you come join us over there.
0: Absolutely. And uh, tonight's episode is going to end on uh, just an absolute heartfelt dedication. This one goes out to Scott. I don't know if I've put an episode out to him before, but want to be sure to do it tonight. Uh, had some had some difficulties these past few days and looks like he'll be moving forward in a positive direction. So want to uh, wanna put some good thoughts and vibes out there for him and want to make sure that we know, as always, every episode every time we record every time kip and i chat uh we are thankful for our listeners so much so good night everybody and again thanks for listening